and welcome to this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. My guest today is a graduate of Florida A&M University. Please help me welcome Michael Jenkins. Michael, glad to have you on the show, man. Hey, nice to be here today, D. Absolutely, bro. Listen, I want to understand, first and foremost, how did you end up at Florida A&M University? Honestly, man, uh, I, I did a, a year down in Daytona, and Daytona didn't give me that college experience that I was promised to get or I was hoping to get. Yeah. So me and a couple of my guys uh, here from Jacksonville, HBCUs in Florida, you're either going to Bethune or you're going to FAMU. Yeah. So we we kind of got together, like, hey, man, let, let's go to Tallahassee. Let's try it out, see how it is. And we went to Tallahassee and we ended up going to FAMU. <laughs> <laughs> so, so talk to me about uh, the first day you set foot on campus. Do you remember that day? I do. Um, I went to FAMU. This was 2014, maybe 2015. And just getting on campus the first day, you're like, you're shocked, right? All the, yeah. all the black kids kind of walk around, got the book bags on. It's like first day of high school again. Everybody dressed apart, and it's just like, man, is this what college was supposed to feel like? Right. There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, it's the first day. Everybody's excited to get back. Everybody's in the cab hanging out. There's a lot of people on campus, and that, that first day was amazing. So what, what made FAMU in your mind, what set it apart from your first college experience? Because as you stated, you went to a, uh, a college and you weren't happy there. So what, what set it apart? I think for the most part, Daytona was small. Tallahassee is a lot larger. Um, you have Florida State across the tracks. You have FAMU, you have TCC. So the college kids in that city, for one, kind of made the, the, the city more vibrant, more pop in and we say or more it was a lot more stuff to do yeah. and then family was just family man it's just a lot of stuff a lot of people to connect with I was back home or felt like I was back home with a lot of my high school friends a lot of my friends from back in Jacksonville so it was just family um just seeing how many people came through family and still to this day come through family it was a lot of excellence on campus and it was just it just felt good to be that felt right so on the campus of, of family what were some of the uh, events or activities that really uh, made, left a mark on you? I would say set Friday. Um, Friday is, of course, the end of the week. Me, I didn't have class on Friday, but Friday is the end of the week. Going into the weekend where, you know, college kids like to hang out and party all weekend or whatever it is. Yeah. So that set Friday where a lot of your Greek organizations come out, a lot of your students come out, just connect, dance, uh, connect, have fun. Uh, participate and buy goods from local uh, student-owned business or local businesses and just have a good time, I would say well, it was really fun outside of game day and a lot of other things that go on on campus. Got you. So you, you mentioned the fraternities and, and everything. And, uh, you know, I'm, I know you are a member of uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a noob, so I'm not going to hold that against <laughs> you. But I want you, <laughs> I want you to talk to me about Greek life on the campus of FAMU. Uh, Greek life is, is is great, man. I think um, coming from my background, where I didn't come out of a Greek household, coming onto campus, it was kind of one of those foreign things. Like, 
what are they doing? What does this mean? Why are they stepping? Why are they doing this? Right. But as you kind of get in, you got kind of get to know a lot of the members and kind of get to know their backgrounds and a lot of things that they're kind of doing in the community, doing their personal lives, doing academic wise, you kind of get you kind of get drawn to kind of a certain group of people. Um, and from there, you kind of get to learn about history of organizations, the purpose and what they serve and how it's not just a a party group or a stepping group or a turn up group. It's actually a lot more stuff that's tied to these organizations. So what's publicly seen to college kids. Right. Uh, so Greek life was, it was pretty cool. I know on the yard, you, of course you have your competitions of who run the yard, who, who's doing the best and doing this and doing that. But outside of that, just the common purpose of, of kind of fraternity and even sorority, it's pretty cool, right? We all kind of advance in our communities, advancing uh, our, our personal lives as well as making kind of the well being of student life on campus a lot better. Right. So on the campus of FAMU, um, were there any faculty members or staff that left uh, a lasting impression on you that may have mentored you, uh, counseled you, and, you know, and helped you uh, get through your college years? Yeah, I, I would say I had a, uh, what math was I taking? I was taking, I forgot what math course it is now, but I had a professor who always kind of looked after me, right? Hey Mike, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And I think from an HBCU standpoint, just in general, you get that from a lot of your professors, right? You go to a lot of these colleges, universities, you're a student, right? And I think as you go to HBCUs, I felt more as a person, as a human being, outside of just the academia. Like, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? What's going on at home? Are you okay? You need to take a break? You're good. Like, we're going to make sure you get your work done. So I think from that standpoint, all my professors did a pretty good job. And I think outside of just kind of being mentored by professors, being mentored by my peers, right? Yeah. Senior level students or seniors and I'm a freshman coming in and them just kind of already knowing that journey of what it takes to get out of your freshman year to go to your sophomore year to your junior year, I would say played a, a lot more uh, or more important role for me. So to this day, I still have my mentor, Carrington, and a lot of my uh, pro fights, which are not my pro fights, um, still mentor me to this day. And I would think that they played a, a very important role in kind of getting me through college and where I am today. No, absolutely, man. Um, you, you know, we hear this all the time on the campuses of uh, HBCUs. It's a much more, uh, you know, personable uh, experience. You, you know, you tend to have, uh, you know, faculty, staff that, that, that really take ownership in, in your success. And speaking of that uh, topic of, on success, how did FAMU prepare you for your current career uh, as a senior cybersecurity analyst and entrepreneur? Yes. So I would say just being in those environments where it's just excellence, right? Um, it, it's you're going at me. I was in Benjamin Banneker. So just being able to go into the study room and see somebody graduating and going to Eli Lilly or Microsoft or a lot of these tech companies, but they're still within arm's reach of me like, hey, how did you do this or what steps should I be taking to get where you are after you graduate or, or what should I do to get this internship? And I think a lot of excellences came from these institutions. So when it comes to different companies recruiting and looking for um, prospective uh, employees or interns coming from certain institutions, you already kind of have that upper hand on a lot more. Like, oh, he's coming from FAMU. Right. We just had an intern last year that came from FAMU and they did a, they did a great job. They're already on a different track that we kind of expect a, a higher track that we were kind of expecting them to be on. So I think it, it just prepared me in those ways. And I think just by being in those competitive spaces where it's not kind of, they're not going to handhold you, but they're going to put you in those situations where you have to kind of put your chin up and fight for what you want. So you have to kind of come in and 
dress up and be be the par because that's just kind of how corporate America is. Right. So talk to me a little bit about your current career. I know that you um, you have your professional career, but you are also a serial entrepreneur, uh, having ownership in a number of different business enterprises. So talk to me about your professional career. Yeah. So my professional career, uh, I think, fam, you kind of. Nailed, nailed it on the head with that one, right? Uh, a lot of the, the situations that I was put in, uh, graduated and matriculating through undergrad are the same. some of the same situations that I, I faced when I was in my professional career at FedEx. So having to get up and present, having to to get told, hey, this is not what we expected, but we still expect you to give give us the deliverable, deliverable that we need. Uh-huh. Uh, so I would say like just being in those situations where you have to get up, present, you have to, to give your best best effort and you just have to be be present, I would say, helped me a ton in my professional career. And so how did you get interested in entrepreneurship? Because, uh, you know, obviously your your background is, is in information technology uh, from an educational perspective. But So how did you get interested into in, in entrepreneurship? Uh, so funny story, when I came to college, of course, everyone was once that broke college kid. Right. So I think... Once I came to college, um, back home, high school, I used to like doing parties. I used to like doing parties, doing events. So when I got to uh, Tallahassee to FAMU, I connected with uh, my mentor, Carrington Caleb, through Tom Diamond and one of my good friends, Willie Ross. I'm like, hey, I know you like to do events. Hey, get with these guys and just let, let them show you how kind of the nightlife business is fun to have fun in. But it's also a profitable business if you know what you're doing. So just kind of getting with those guys and learning kind of different business models and how business works. It kind of like sparked the interest in me. Um, and then my first job in Tallahassee was at a pawn shop. Okay. So I used to be a pawn broker at Cash America Pawn and just kind of learning how money works and how goods work and how to get loans and a lot of that stuff kind of really sparked my interest. And I started doing like a lot of research on like how credit works and how credit cards work or different business model, how to structure business. And then family has one of the best business schools to meet in this nation. So just being around kind of business-minded individuals where we're kind of picking each other's brains and kind of bouncing the ideas off each other and just saying, hey, the market is going to do this and actually seeing the market do that. Just part of a different kind of business genius in me that I, I knew was inside of me, but yeah. I would say that I surrounded myself with brought it out. So one of your business enterprises uh, located there in Jacksonville, Florida, is uh, Legacy Restaurant and Bar. Sure. And you started that business, I think, with five partners total? Is it five of you guys? Uh, tell me, how did you all come together? And tell me more about Legacy Restaurant and Bar. Yeah, so so the guys I started my business with, we've always been friends. Um, we've always kind of been connected. And we always knew eventually we would do business together, but we all kind of had our separate lanes of business in our personal lives. So I think uh, one actually graduated from another HBCU, Florida Memorial, Um, So we're always connected. Um, So I think as we just kind of got in our group text, COVID came around and of course a lot of people had more downtime than you probably anticipated you're going to have. So we just started brainstorming. And I think here in Jacksonville, there was always that notion. And I kind of believed at once that Jacksonville is born. There's nothing to do here. There's no hope in Jacksonville. Move as fast as you can. And I think as we just kind of started brainstorming, we just like, hey, man, we're tired of hearing it. What can we do or how can we come together and build something to make Jacksonville fun? Um, and I think we used to travel a lot to your Dallas's, your Houston, your Atlanta's, your Miami's. And we started seeing a lot of these unique business models where it's a restaurant, 
but it's also a, a kind of a clubby lounge feel, but it's not too much of either or. Yeah, it's not kind of you know too too much where it's, I feel it gives you the feel of a club, but it's not too much like a traditional restaurant where it's boring. Right. Uh, so we all kind of studied these business models for about six months to a year, and we just kind of ran across a perfect situation where we just flipped the switch and it was time. Yeah. Uh, so we came together. Um, we was like, hey, we're gonna name it. Uh, we're at first we we're gonna name it Our Lounge. They were like, no, nah, man, we're gonna name it Legacy because this we want this to kind of be one of those footprints that not is only in our personal legacy, but the legacy of the city. Um, so we've been open uh, a year, about two months ago, uh, August twenty third. We celebrated our first year of business, okay. and it's been fun. Really? We okay. see people from as as far north as you can think, and as far down south as you think, and it, and it's just been a blessing, man, to create something um, here in the city where people come out and enjoy, have a good time, and feel safe. So what are, what are some of your signature dishes? It's, it's or a controllable environment. Yes, look. Go ahead. What, what are some of your signature dishes or, or cocktails? Uh, so everyone likes the lamb chops. Uh, they're called shad lamb chops. Uh, we've recently introduced the pasta. And I think our favorite cocktails as of right now may be the women love lemon drops. But outside of lemon drops, probably a legacy island or something we call a little Migo. Okay. Now, what is that? What is you say, Lil Migo? Yeah, so <laughs> it's a 50, uh, 50, 50 milliliter little Casamigos bottle. Uh -huh. It's kind of put into a, a special house drink that we have, and okay. we just call it Lil Migo. Okay. It's the, <laughs> it's the size of a Casamigos bottle. Gotcha. Now, I know that one of the things that you're passionate about is really uplifting uh, the African-American community and particularly the community that you, uh, you come from. Uh, what are you doing uh, in your community uh, as part of that upliftment? And what role did FAM you play in help setting your, your, your values? Yeah, so, so from a couple standpoints, uh, I think in the restaurant, we do a pretty good business for back one into our team members uh, uh, financially and just kind of cultural coaching-wise, kind of we're creating leaders and developing leaders where they go back to their own communities, their own households, and they're able to kind of take that next step and just creating leaders and taking care of their own household. Um, as well as we're partnering now with the JU Women's Basketball Team here. We do a lot with the Jack's Chamber of Commerce here, and we do a lot of community events through the restaurant where we're giving back to our local community here on the west side. And then personally, uh, I have my own nonprofit organization where we provide resources and developmental programs the kids that's dealt who has dealt with the death of a premature death of a biological parent. So community, I would say, is my first name, and I and I've always been that person where fam, you taught me no one is too good to help. You're not too good to look look back and reach and bring somebody up. You're not too good to help somebody out. And you're not too good to to speak. And I think a lot of times we go in situations where we think we're we're too high on our horse, where we can where we can't speak to the janitor, not knowing that our, us speaking. No, may may make them smile and may make their day ten times better than what they've been going through at home. So I think just having that that common person, that that common sense that hey, I'm not too good. I can reach and help and bring somebody up, and I never know what somebody else is going through. Right. You never know how much your your dollar or your whatever financial or just cultural wise can help somebody and bring them along with you. You never know um, what they can turn out to be. And I think just by somebody treat me that way, kind of seeing enough of me to help coach me up and help mentor and guide me made me who I am today, so I would never be too good to reach back and help bring some others with me. 
No, man, I, I can't uh, agree with you more on that philosophy. Uh, one of the interesting things um, about you uh, that I think the viewers need to understand is that uh, you come from a, a you know very difficult circumstances. You you went through a severe tragedy at a very very young age. Uh, do you mind sharing that story with the viewers? Yeah, so um, 2005, at the age of 10, I lost both my parents to a murder-suicide, unfortunately. Um, and at that moment, I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what was to come. I didn't really understand the moment that I was in. I was just like, hey, I'm 10 years old. I'm a kid. What does this mean for me? How does life keep going? What's next? And what about my sisters? What's next for us? Um, so I think I went through that situation, but it, it put something inside of me to this day, uh, kind of lit a fire within me to this day that's never going to burn out. Yeah. And maybe who I am today, uh, anytime I, I face a challenge or a difficult circumstance, I tell myself, hey, you've been through the worst thing you've ever go through in life and you got over it. What is this? Like, what is this challenge towards where you come from? So yeah. I think just having that passion and desire and that, that kind of grit in me uh, from that situation helps me as I kind of matriculate through my adulthood and through, through different business ventures. And the market right now is kind of crazy through inflation, a lot of other stuff, but it's nothing that I feel like I can't overcome or I can't figure out. Right. Yeah, I mean, your your story is one that uh, show the resilience that uh, that you have and, and how you've used that to, to make yourself uh, a much better person and put you in a better, better place. Um, Back at back home uh, now, I understand you have some major event, annual event that take place there in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah so um, typically my birthday weekend um, is in the summer. Um, and even when I was in uh, <laughs> in grade school, I, I always hated that my birthday was in the summer because I never got to have a classroom party. <laughs> right. So when I got 18, when I got to college and everybody was on summer break, I was like, hey man, Every year for my birthday, I'm gonna make up and do a big birthday weekend. So starting at about age 22, maybe 23, I started doing annual birthday events. So we did uh, an annual birthday weekend uh, in Miami once, we did Atlanta, we did Mexico. But as I kind of got out of the turn up, partying, outgoing Mike into the community focus, businessman, uh, forward thinking Mike, I said, hey man, I'm getting too old to party. <laughs> I'm getting, it's time to grow into a young man and the man that I need to be. So this year, uh, this last year, uh, we did what we call Dream Big Weekend, where uh, my business model for the year was dreaming big. And you never know what the possibilities are until you start dreaming and thinking big. Yeah. And that came from a book I, wor I, I read, The Magic of Thinking Big, by, I want to say it's Arnold David Schwartz, where it just kind of shows you what's possible when you dream big. So we did a Dream Big Weekend where we, uh, had events from Friday to Sunday. Um, Friday uh, was more of a top golf charity event. Saturday, we had Wallow 267 come in and give us a nice uh, speaking engagement. Sunday, uh, we ended with a brunch and then we rented out the water park and invited everybody to come out and have a good time. Uh, so that was a pretty, pretty, pretty big and fun weekend that we had here locally. It shined a light on um, a lot of our local businesses here. And we just gave hope to the city and just showed people what was possible once you drink and think big. No man, that's uh, that's that's great. Uh, what role do you feel HBCUs play uh, in in our communities today? You know, obviously we know the history of HBCUs and why they were initially uh, created. Uh, but today, you know, we're living in a time where uh, you know 
communities of color, uh, those students coming out of those communities have you know, all types of options in terms of continuing their education. Uh, what role do you think HBCUs continue to play today? I think HBCUs play a very important role in creating the next, the next generation of thinkers and leaders. And if you even look at the history, the leaders that, that have came from HBCUs are, are pretty prominent in American history, not even just black history. So I think HBCUs play an important role and I think HBCUs give us hope in terms of opportunities. I think uh, with me, I didn't have as many PWIs get willing to accept me in at a, at a whatever GPA I had out of high school, but HBCUs gave me an opportunity to come in, find myself, and not only find myself, HBCUs helped develop me as, as, a, as a thinker, as a leader, me as a man, um, and not even as just a black person. So I think HBCUs play an important role in not only development of professionals in terms of curriculum, but professionals in terms of just manners and thing, the, the, the non um, stuff you will get from other institutions. Right. HBCU kind of provide that for you. And I think Deion Sanders is, do, is doing a great job right now. Absolutely. Just highlighting kind of how you can come in with a different mindset and just change the culture of programs, change the culture of institutions. And you kind of see that trickle down effect in, in various communities across the nation. Right, no, you, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I think someone coming in with a vision uh, that people can get behind, it makes all the difference in the world. Now, you named your restaurant there in Jacksonville Legacy, but uh -huh. ultimately, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you uh, think about and want to leave a legacy uh, for your family in the city of Jacksonville. What, what do you want that legacy to be? I would say I want my legacy to just be a forward thinker, uh, someone who was progressive, someone who was a people person, and someone that just kept it real, someone that knew how to face adversity and look adversity straight in the face and say we're going to overcome it, someone who who had all odds against them but still shot that shot and made it and showed everybody what was possible just by taking that chance on yourself, betting on yourself, and not being afraid to be wrong. Yeah. I think a lot of times people are afraid to be wrong or be seen in the public light as, as, as the wrong, you made the wrong decision, but I'm not that person. So just by being that person that kind of just was a forward thinker and that always looked after people, that wasn't afraid to bring somebody up with them that, and that wasn't too good to help others out. That's why I want my legacy to be. And so I know that you are uh, proud of your HBCU. Uh, uh, if you're talking to a uh, high school student that's looking to make a decision on where to go to college, uh, why would you recommend that they attend Florida A&M University? I would say FAMU is, of course, we just got announced as the number one public HBCU, but FAMU is FAMU. Uh, it's just excellence. We, we breed, that's our model, excellence with caring, and it's just a different environment to be in. Uh, you find yourself, you find yourself in others, uh, and it's just you become more of the person you probably want to be by being at FAMU. And I'm not even just going to shine a light on FAMU, just HBCUs in general, because I think all HBCUs provide similar experiences. Of course, we're a little bit more probable of where we come from and the institution that we, we kind of are, are birthed from and even Greek organizations. Right. But I think at the end of the day, just by having those HBCU experience and getting in those, in those vicinities where you're developing yourself and people are developing you, and you're not just another number. Um, I think a lot of times you go to certain institutions, you're just another, another number. Right. But at HBCU, you're an actual person. People look after you. People care for you. You're going to have your bumps and bruises, whether it's financial aid or whatever else it is. 
But it's all part of just life, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, uh, and it gives you the real life experience of how life operates and how life works. One of the, one of the issues I believe that people have uh, that they can't really be successful is that they want everything to be simple and everything to be easy and everything to be, you know, a straightforward answer. And, and life has shown uh, me over and over again that it's not always going to be a straightforward process. You know, it's, it's going to come a time where you have to figure things out to make things work for you. And I think HBCUs give you that experience. And so I just want to ask you just real briefly, uh, you talked about challenges. What were some of the biggest challenges you faced while you were in college? I would say getting out of my set of colleges is a place just to go and have fun and party. <laughs> yeah. I think kind of everyone kind of gets out of that shell of being home with mama and daddy and nana and papa to where now you're out on your own. You do, not, you do what you want to do, and, and a lot of your success kind of falls back on you. So being able to kind of be like, okay, I'm here to, to get my education. I'm also going to have a little bit of fun, but find that balance between both of those to where you're not derailing your whole life and career because you want to do one more than the other. You want to right. go out and party all night and come into class all slouched over, not paying attention. Now when you, you're here six, seven, eight years, you can't graduate because you just kind of lost within your curriculum because you've been having fun too much. Right. So just by find, finding the balance between both of those, um, being resilient, um, I think a lot of times we fail classes sometimes and we just get down and depressed and in the dumps because we failed a course. Um, and I think just by being resilient and understanding that, hey, Failure happens sometimes. That's that's um, life, man. Yeah. That's and life. You can't and, control and, every situation. And, and failure is just one of those ingredients that go into that big pot of gumbo I call success. And we have yeah, to learn how sure. to deal with it, man. And 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 Michael, I want to say this. So yeah, dealing with failure, uh, I would say for sure. Yeah, I want to say this, Michael. Uh, we're we're out of time on this show, but I man, I appreciate you so much for uh, taking time out to schedule to be on HBCU and to showcase. Uh, all of the uh, good work they're doing down at Florida A&M University. And uh, to my viewers, I want to thank you for watching this episode of HBCU. And remember, without you, there's no me.